Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Girl Value by Choice. I am your host, Nana Bonsu, President and CEO of Infinite Horizons Incorporated. People normally come to Infinite Horizons Incorporated because of our proven systems for increase in long-term profits and long-term value. They also come to us because of our insights into an industry knowledge, as well as our personalized advice. This week, we are going to be talking about all things HR. And I would like to remind our listeners to not forget to subscribe, download, on the podcast, um, various podcast platforms that you may be listening on. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do want to participate in the conversation, you may do so on the Facebook uh, community page. Just search for Build Value by Choice. I Just a quick announcement I want to share with everybody that we actually on September 22nd will be our one year anniversary. So we have a lot of good things uh, planned. We're going to be giving away gifts. So look out for that. Again, September 22nd, we're planning on relaunching this show and in order to do that, we are going to be giving away some nice prizes. So just tune into that. Also, if you like to see a free ebook on how you may grow your business, especially if you've hit a plateau, I uh, have a free ebook for people who are especially in the services industry. You just go to https colon slash slash bit.ly forward slash productize with a Z ebook one, one word to download it. Now, on to today's guest. Uh, my guest today is Rick, Rick Marr. Rick is the CEO of Turning Point ACM. Turning Point ACM is focused on helping small businesses deal with HR. He actually built this business from the ground up and recently acquired another one to build as well. His motto in life is family first and growth is the only option. He strives every day not only to fulfill and to exceed his company's mission of releasing the pressure valve that builds in business owners whenever legal or day-to-day human issues uh, pop up. Welcome to the show, Rick. Uh, thank you, Nana. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Wonderful. We're excited to have you as well. I wanted to kick off by, I always like to get a sense of the person's background. Just what what is your background and what inspired you to start Turning Point ACM? So uh, my, my background, I grew up, if you will, after, after graduating college and kind of starting my career, was in the employee benefits space. Um, and I spent about 18 years in that space uh, with my last role being the national practice leader for a Goldman Sachs capital owned partner company and really working with very large businesses and complex businesses and dealing with their employee benefits. And in that space, I was typically dealing with the HR departments of these big organizations. And what I started to realize was that smaller organizations, and I'll define what they look like in a moment, smaller organizations did not have this level of resource, this HR team, this you know, this budget to go and do the things that the business needed to make sure that their employees were, you know, to attract good employees, retain good employees, engage employees, and all those kinds of things. And I started to look at the smaller businesses, and let's call them first or second generation family businesses with a handful to several hundred employees. And typically those businesses are doing around a million to 50 million in revenue. Those businesses didn't have or weren't large enough or, or you know, weren't sophisticated enough to have that level of HR support within their organization. And therefore those business leaders may be making mistakes when they were purchasing really in this case benefits, right? So, so really the motivation was I saw a hole in the marketplace and all of those businesses that I just described, those first or second generation family businesses out there. And I thought to myself, I can marry 
the if I can find the right team members, I can marry that big company HR support, but on a fractional basis, meaning right resource, right time, right price. So that was really the motivation that I had, which was to look at all these small businesses across the country and say, how can they too should have that level of resource, but how does someone get it to them? As I mentioned earlier, right resource, right time, right price. And that was the motivation for starting this business. And that was in 2010 when I started this business. And just quickly, since that time, we've worked with over 2,000 businesses across the country uh, in 65 different industries. And we've been in every state except for Alaska at this point. So uh, hopefully you have some listeners in Alaska and, and maybe that'll translate into, into how we go from here. So that was really the motivation. Well, that's great. That's uh, that congratulations. That's an awesome um, journey. You know, in 12 years time, you already raised your footprint before the United States. That's pretty impressive. What, are, what, what are some of the biggest challenges you face along the way as you build the company? Um, I think the biggest challenge that I faced along the way was that when I started my business, and as you mentioned, I started from the ground up. Uh, I had no business owner experience. I'd never been in a true leadership role you know, uh, of an organization. And the biggest mistake that I made early on was believing that all we had to do, all I had to do at that point in time was to sell business, get clients coming in the door, and everything else will just kind of take care of itself. And that was a tremendous mistake that I made in not understanding at all levels, to simplify it, that people, process, and procedure are the keys and significant keys to growing a business. I was just purely focused on that top line and thought that that would that wallpaper could cover up any blemishes on the wall. And that was a, that was a big mistake that I made. And I, I, I learned the hard way. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, so how do you go about bringing people into your company? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a real, um, some real, some real learning curves. And, and, uh, you know, I guess the first part of it was that I looked at the businesses that I was serving right and the businesses that i was uh, we were getting into and i started to look at all those businesses and they had common problems right and the problems were that they because they didn't have that professional hr support they kept bumping into four basic problems the first one was compliance stuff right so every day there's some new law rule or regulation that the business owner let's focus on hr for this for the next few moments the business owner has to deal with the second bucket of problems that they all struggled with were employee issues everything from hiring properly to firing properly and why can't someone get to work on time and why is someone else harassing everybody in the business the third problem that I saw they all had was policies and procedures. So all the things that would allow the business to scale and grow profitably and allow the business owner to achieve their goals, which was typically some level of happiness and freedom, right? Um, so think of things, handbooks, job descriptions, performance management. And the fourth thing that we were solving for these clients is the strategic side of the organizational development. How to get the right people on the team in the right seats and all those things, right? So as I looked at my clients and had all those problems, I started to realize this was you know, 2011, 2012, a couple of years into this thing, I had those same problems. I was guilty of 
the problems that I was trying to solve for my clients. So it became very um, um, uh, internally focused on what I needed to do to grow my business to where we are now. We have you know 15 team members and serving all those businesses across the country. Um, it became it became how do I do that and what do what is what steps do I need to take in order to get to the place that I need to be so that I can grow. I can deliver on the promises that I made to my wife and family, which was <laughs> I was going to be there a little bit, uh, not just working all the time. So there was this this uh, tipping point, if you will, this turning point um, where I had to decide what I wanted to be. Did I just want to own my job, which was just to go sell business and, and run around like a crazed person all the time? Or was I going to build a business that was going to have a legacy? And have um, and allow me to do the things that I really wanted to do in my life, as you mentioned, family first, and growth is the only option. So, uh, you know, 2012, 2013, as I started to recognize this, recognize the mistakes I was making, it became essential for me to bring on as the first place, not a sales rep, not someone to replace me, but someone who is purely operational, who can build the people process and procedure going forward. That's, that is, uh, that's a, that's an interesting uh, kind of journey. And it brings up a question, um, you know, kind of an interesting observation because you had mentioned that you had to go from being an entrepreneur to actually you know, running a disciplined business operation. Uh, there's a lesson in there for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs, right? Which is that being an entrepreneur, yeah, it's nice and dandy, but you know, you can go from like one mm -hmm. idea to the next versus mm -hmm. being focused and disciplined and having somebody actually run the business or doing the operations. Um, and then maybe you as a business owner can focus on the growth side of it, the vision side of it, the networking side of it, and among other things. What would what would your advice be for other for the other entrepreneurs or even business owners who've been in operation for a little bit of time, but they, everything goes through them and therefore they are, they're having some scalability issues as a result? Yeah, I, I think I think the first thing was, you know, real self introspect introspective of why did someone leave that cushy job with benefits and time off and a paycheck every two weeks? Why did they do it? Right. I think that's really the first question that has to be asked of of, of themselves, because the why is going to be what drives the how and the what, right? So for instance, for me, the why was I had at that point when I started the business, I had three young sons and I wanted to be a part of the, you know, the little league and the this after school activities and all that kind of stuff. So there was no way that I can do what I wanted to do the way I was running my business, right? There was just, there's no, so the why was I, I, I why did I do this? Because I wanted to, family first, as you recall, I wanted to be their family first. So there was just no way that I could do this. So I think for each business owner, they have to understand their why, right? Then that, that drives the how, right? So we really, as I started to recognize this and bring on that first operational person who's still with me today, um, it became important for, 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 for me to start to say, okay, if I want to do this, what has to happen at work, right? And what we really started to change was really define the roles. And what I did was I stepped aside from 
owning the business and I became an employee of the business. And what do I mean by that? I gave my job myself a job description, visionary. My job was to create ideas and say, how are we going? Remember why, how, and the and then the, the COO does the why, right? The how is how are we going to get to this place where I have a business that I can step away from that can be a legacy or whatever, whatever it is that each business owner wants. And the only way that I can get there was to envision what this thing was going to look like 8, 10, 12, 15 years from now. And the only way that I, as the owner of the business, could implement that vision was to have someone who understands how to build people, process, and procedure. So we've created this symbiotic relationship between the vision, you know, the, the what, and then the the how gets gets kind of talked about, right? That's the conversation each week. And then the, you know, the what, I'm sorry, the what, and then the how gets implemented by the COO. So we really, even as a small, basically two-person company, bifurcated the, the job description and took me away from thinking like an owner and more thinking like a position in the company and the company could not succeed if we didn't have it in, in an initial point these two positions that operated equally, even though I was the owner. Interesting. That's a, that's an interesting kind of take because it, uh, I'm thinking that if you wanted to be the independent owner, because one of the things, obviously, like you know, even I think Michael Gerber even kind of mentions this, where you have like the the roles, the boxes. And a lot of times the owner decided they want to find something like, you know, they're operating schizo, you know, schizophrenically without even realizing it because they like wearing multiple hats. And then that's when you realize you come up with a plan to transition and who's going to do marketing, who's going to do finance. Uh, and obviously you had a CEO to, to handle the operational side of things. Um, but you actually had to figure out what your role was going to be and actually make sure that it was documented, which is uh, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I think just to touch on the Michael Gerber book, because that was a, an inspirational book for me in a lot of different ways as a lot of business owners and what my motivation was. So, you, so my motivation, <laughs> this may sound funny, is laziness. Um, I, 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 I didn't want to have to do anything. Right. In the beginning, I felt I needed to or I thought that's what the role was. But the more I realized that, the more I realized that I had to push, start pushing things off immediately because the little things that I pushed off 10, 12 years ago was the beginning process of pushing off and managing to a team 12 years later. So that let's call it laziness for was a pure motivator that I really didn't want to do everything. And, and it was just, you know, when you're there, when you're there in the beginning, you don't know any better and the money's tight and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you feel like you have to, and that's a part of it, but do you want to? And that, and that was, that was, that was a motivator for me to kind of start to separate this, this thing into visionary people process procedure. Now that's great. Maybe, uh, maybe we can uh, actually. I mean, I, I'm being just facetious here, but maybe uh, you know we can just make pretend um, for entrepreneurs who maybe having a hard time let go of the reins. Maybe we can let them pretend to play the role of a lazy owner, just so they can they can kind of keep their hands off, like you know micromanagement, because that's that's one of the because. 
what you're touching on is kind of a mindset thing. I mean, it may have been unbeknownst to you at the time, but a lot of times what happens is business owners, especially if you're building it from the ground up, is it's their brainchild and they love what they do, uh, but they want to be their own boss, right? So they're so, you know, start with why they just wanted to, you know, what they consider to be freedom, wanted to be their own boss. But they're trading their 40 hour per week Christian job, right? To now they're working 60 plus hours a week, uh, things of that sort. So they may, they may not necessarily even want to operate a business, even though they want to somehow grow, but they don't want to let go of the reins because they, they love what they do. That's their life work. They won't know what purpose they have outside of that, you know, business. Um, well, I, you know, yeah. I think, you know, to jump in on that, sorry to, to cut you off, I think what every business owner has to think about when they're doing it that way, right? The way I was doing it in the beginning, the way probably most of us did it in the beginning, unless someone gave us a bunch of money and said, here, start a business, which didn't happen for me, is remember that day, right? And we all had this day, because I, I talked to a lot of business owners. And I always ask them about this day. There's this day where they went to someone who's very important to them in their life, a spouse, a parent, a, home, a significant other, somebody. And they said, I have an idea and it's going to sound crazy. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to start a business. And when I start this business, we're going to be richer than we ever were before. We're going to have more time off than we have ever done. And I'm going to work a lot less, right? There's, a, there's that day. We all have it. We go, this is going to be great. And what we find very early on, we have no money, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're working a thousand hours a week. If there's a thousand hours in a day there, we're trying to, trying to, trying to work. And the, the cushiness and all the things that went along with a job that we left are now all gone. Right. So, so for me, or maybe for younger, uh, newer entrepreneurs that are jumping into this, we've all had that day and think about if we're doing it wrong, right. How we're letting down that person that we said, trust me, this is going to be great. And, and that too was a motivator for me because I, I just, I couldn't do it that way anymore because of, I was failing at everything I sold, in my case, my spouse on what was going to be great about this. So to me, it was more of a personal pride thing. Like I can't, I can't let, I can't let her down. I can't let my children down. Because I said I was going to do this, and now it's uh, it's the opposite is happening. That's actually a very good, very good point. Uh, a very good way to force people to like make a change. Um, so I want to talk about some of the obstacles that uh, people face when they're trying to build uh, a great team of people. Because as you mentioned, uh, part of being uh, having a great business is having a great, you know building a great team of people. Um, Obviously, first, you got to be able to find people to hire. You got to be able to onboard them. You have to manage and train them and things of that sort. Um, could you talk about, you know, just this um, challenge of finding the right people to come to the business and how um, Turning Point helps in that aspect? Yeah. So, so the first thing, and we do this literally every day with business owners now, I mean, the clients across the country, we're, we're literally talking about recruiting and, and really building teams, the organizational development, whether that organization is one person going to two or it's 200 going to 400 right it's kind of the same process and and really for the for the the, the technical aspect of the process but the first part of the process is what that entrepreneur has to think about is why is it that they're hiring this person right so a lot of times they hire that first person and expect 
that that person is just going to think and act like they are, like they do, right? Unless they're your have your same last name or your best friend from little you know little high school or something along those lines, probably they're not, right? So what the business owner has to do first is, and and most of them don't do this because this is not their skill set, right? I started a business because I was good at sales or accounting or you know whatever it might be. And I am not trained in how to hire, how to build a job, how to build a position, how to put metrics around that. So what typically happens in the in the beginning is the first person, they say, I need a, an assistant, right? Or whatever. And someone, the next door neighbor goes, oh, you know, my brother-in-law does that. I you know, think you'll love him, right? Oh, great. All right, great. So the brother-in-law comes on an interview and it goes like this. Oh, I see you. I see you went to such and such school. Oh, my I have a friend that went to that school. Did you know? him? Oh, yeah, oh, I knew. Him. Oh, great. You know what? You seem like you'd be great at this job. So the interviewing process, they don't even know what they're looking for. They're looking in many cases, for lack of a better term, they're looking for a friend. They're looking for someone they like. Right. Nine times. Most of the time that ends up failing. And they go, I can't find any good people. The reason they can't find good people is because they don't build a process around recruiting. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know how to ask good questions. They don't know how to write good job ads, right? Job ads are a marketing piece. So there's a lot of things that go wrong in that. And what ends up happening is by the time you start onboarding people, now they don't have a good onboarding process. The onboarding process is, oh, great. Congratulations on your first day. There's your desk. There's your phone. Let me know if you have any questions. Sets the employees off on the wrong foot. So what I would kind of, surmise, uh, kind of summarize all of that is hiring a good team member starts at the very basic level. What is it that you're looking for? What are they going to do? How are you going to judge them? Is it consistent, right? from your recruiting process to once they're here and how you're you're working with them. And then the final thing and the biggest thing, and I think this is the biggest problem for most small business owners, are you going to let them do their job? Or are you going to just say, do this, do that, do this, do that, do it my way, or it's the highway. And I think that's those are big problems for business owners. So building the process and walking them through that process on a step-by-step basis is how we help those clients. And we have a saying, we have a saying, it's kind of silly, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard this. If you think it's expensive hiring professionals, wait till you hire an amateur, right? And the amateur in this case is the owner of the business because they're amateurish when it comes to the recruiting, hiring, onboarding, training, leading process. And that mistake could be tremendous. So think about it. If you hire your first employee and it's a $50,000 a year salary, and you do it wrong. Just think of these expenses. The first is the recruiting expense. As a business owner, I always put a $250 an hour price tag on the business, whether they make that money or not. It's their time, their vision, their this. It's, it's, so you got all that expense. Then you have the expense of the salary, right? So let's say it's six months into it. They, you paid them $25,000. And now you're like, this person's not that good. I got to get rid of them. You've paid them maybe some vacation time. Certainly, you've paid training time. You may have paid benefits time, 
right? You've paid taxes on their payroll. So that $25,000 in that first six months might be really thirty-five dollars or $40,000. That's really expensive, mm-hmm. right? That's amateur hiring $40,000. Now after six months, you say, let me get rid of this person. And you're going to do it again. $40,000, 40000 40000 right? It becomes the amateur hiring process becomes super, super expensive, right? Because they don't really know what they're looking for. They haven't really done that. So I think from a way that we help employers is they have to, they have to build a proper process and procedure to find the right people, people process procedure. So that that's really the first step in in, in getting involved and in how we work with with clients on that on that front. That's great. Thanks for the uh, for the sharing of those things, those insights. Um, now, after they've um, come on board, now there's the onboarding process, right? Because you know part of the critical success factor for new employees how well they are onboarded, and of course, you know, any kind of training that's needed. Um, do you help with that as well? Or if not, what are your observations of how that's taking place? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, when we work with a business owner and we give them this taste of freedom, right? I don't have to do the recruiting. I don't have to do this. All and they start to see on the recruiting side what process and procedure does for them. They become addicted to that. And now they want that same process and procedure on the onboarding side, right? So there are a lot of things that we've done that builds the process, in some cases using automated technology. You can't go to step two until you do step one. Step one, sign the offer letter. Step two, fill out the application. Step three, the I-9, step right? So, So in a lot of cases, we automate that so that it goes through. So even to the point, okay, Here's your password. Here's IT's phone number to get your computer set up. Right. Every little detail that's done, the, 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 the earlier that that's done for the employee, the better they will perform. And it has to be congruent or aligned with everything that they've experienced to, the, to, the, to this point, right? So if you have a really good and solid recruiting process, that's gonna, that sets the tone for that employee. Now, everything after that has to follow along and be done the same way. So if you have a really haphazard recruiting process, you're probably going to find people that like haphazardness, right? So if you have people that have haphazardness during the recruiting process, when they come on board, and now if you try to give them rules and regulations, they're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's very different than the experience I've had so far. And they're already off on the wrong foot. So if you're going to have a good, solid process and procedure up front, you got to have a great onboarding process where we help with that as well. All kinds of training and steps and so on and so forth and automation. Because if you don't, you're going to lose that person in all likelihood pretty easily. Now, if you say, hey, I'm going to have no process on the front end, I'm going to have no process on the front end. And no, to keep it congruent or aligned, I'm going to have no process in onboarding. Probably you're not going to have, the employee's not going to have a great experience. You're not going to have a great experience and no one's going to be happy with the results. That's great. Now I want to turn to uh, managing the team or managing the person or the team and depending on um, the size of the business. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you see? And I don't know if now you do like HR business partner type of activity, but what are some of the things that you see? Because you talked about you know, processes and automation, which is great. 
Uh, I want to, you know, also that talk about maybe uh, managing the team and then how much delegation plays into it. Yeah. So managing the team really, to me, is about exp- whether we're working with our clients or internally. It's about managing expectations. So in that onboarding process, when they come on, before they're even hired, they have a clear job description, right? So most business owners don't know how to write a job description, right? It's not, it's not an expertise that they have. What is that person going to be do- be doing? And then more importantly, what are they going to be judged on, right? You want to set the rules of the road. So those employees know if I do this, I'm going to have this result. If I do that, I'm going to have that result. So I want to stay within the guidelines of the job, right? Then with that, once that job description is written with what the rules are, that should become an automatic performance management document that's revisited minimum once a year, we recommend twice a year. So there's a six month review. Hey, here were the five things that we said you were going to be judged upon in your interview. How did you perform? Right. And then build on that from there. So I think that, um, you know, that sort of follow through, that sort of consistency, that sort of planning is what allows that employee to grow. Right. So from a management standpoint, if I've now set the clear rules for the employees, right, they've accepted the challenges of that, of those rules. They've accepted the job description that's clearly written. They've accepted on their, at their, at their interview process and then their onboarding process, they've accepted how they're going to be judged in their performance management at six to nine years. They've accepted the challenge. Now, the odds of that person who's accepted those challenges because they're clearly defined of needing heavy oversight or heavy motivation, it goes, it's, it's, it's not as great as someone who is just, hey, I got a phone and a desk and some days I make phone calls and some days I respond to emails, right? So the delegation and the management becomes easier when the work is done up front and the definition and the guidelines are set and accepted to at the beginning of the game, which is the recruiting and onboarding process. That's great. Now let's turn to retaining the team, uh, retaining mm-hmm. the person. Uh, that's been a challenge, especially when uh, you have big businesses and other com- you know, competitors always you know, trying to poach. Um, what do you, you know, tell or how, how do you maybe help people in, in your uh, in the various um, clientele that you help, um, how do you help them um, deal with this or employee retention challenges? So it really goes back to the answer that I just gave about setting the rules for the employees. So secrets be told, most employees are not motivated by money, right? So yes, the big business can come in and say, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit more money. And of course, look, there's economic realities to everything, but just let's call it e- roughly even. Why most people leave is because they don't understand the rules of how their workforce, and that creates frustrations. Those frustrations, that misery, if you will, creates people that say, I want to move to a different business, right? Bigger businesses, remember back to the beginning of our conversation at big HR departments, they've built these things. So when you go to those businesses, what they're getting in, in many instances is that consistency, the rules of the road. So what I tell to most small business owners, which where's, I don't know what the stats are, 70% of most employees are in small businesses. The small businesses that have set the rules of the road do not necessarily have the same turnover problems 
I'm going to subscribe that they have much, much lower turnover problems than those businesses that have, hey, there's a phone and a desk. You seem like a nice person. Thanks for coming. Right. That business has a lot of turnover. This business that has process, procedure, all through all through every step of the way from recruiting to onboarding to training to performance management, those businesses don't have turnover problems. And those business owners very rarely say, I can't find any good people out there. When I hear someone say there's no good people out there or no one's loyal, it has nothing to do with the employee has everything to do with the business owner and how they've avoided process and procedure. That's great. The final question is related to us. Now, now that you've, you've re- recruited them, you've onboarded them, you've trained and performance managed them and you've retained them, how do you scale the team? Well, s- scaling the team, really, there's, there's two sides of it. There's, there's levels of automation and then there's breaking down jobs so we continually look to take any position and break down the, usually they have about 10 responsibilities in most jobs. So every year, what we look to do is to take each job and say, what three to five things can we push down to a new job? Let's call it a lower paid job, right? And then that creates a workforce track, right? So we always look for things to say, is this something a mid-level manager should be doing? Or is this something that if we took these five things from this mid-level manager and these three to five things from this little level manager and create a new job around that, right? So take a take the automated or the um, more menial tasks, if you will, and continue to push that down to a lower cost employee. It does a couple of things, right? It, it clearly elevates the better people to be doing or the higher level people to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. It creates that, 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 that track, but the lower level people are easier to find, easier to onboard, easier to train, and then they can bubble up to the next level of position. So what we're always looking to do is to to say, what position can we take the bottom level of work from and the bottom level from this? And does that make sense to combine that into a new position? And that's that's really what we're always looking to do because let the the top three to five things that that person does are probably more important than the bottom three, five things. So let's have them focus on those top three things that lifts everyone up. Yeah. The 80, 20 rule. Yep. Um, okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rick, for your time. Obviously um, this is a, a very important topic, right? You know, it's all about people, <laughs> you know, you got to get the people right. Then you got to get a process and you got to get the policies, right? Um, any last minute, you know, you know, a couple of takeaways that you want our listeners to take away from this conversation? Yeah, I, I would say the, 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 the last thing that I would say, and this goes back to probably one of your first questions or in the beginning of our conversation, what motivates you? And I said laziness, right? And I think that the things that we've talked about, what prevents the business owner from doing these types of things in many cases is arrogance. And I don't mean that in a negative way, just in the sense that I know what I'm doing. It's just, just give it to me. I'll take care of it. It's easier for me to just do it than explain it to somebody. That's a level of arrogance that prevents that business owner from expanding their team, which will ultimately expand their business. So it's that 
that wall that we have to jump over. And it's a hard wall to jump over. So when I always combine it, it's arrogance and laziness, which should be driving the entrepreneur. That's great. Arrogance and laziness. Okay. I'll make a note of that. Well, thank you again, Rick. And uh, how can people um, get a hold of you, find you, follow your work? So the, 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 the most simple way is, and we're out there on so all the social media platforms. We, we have a three or four team members that are you know doing that sort of stuff for us. But the most simple way is our website, which is turningpointhcm.com, turningpointhcm.com. Certainly my email is always accessible, which is rick, R-I-C-K, at turningpointhcm.com. Or if you want to call me, love phone calls, 631-769-4131, 631-769-4131. That's great. Thanks again for sharing that. And uh, we're going to have that information as part of the show notes. So folks who may be driving, who may not be able to write it down, once you get a chance, you can look at the show notes and you'll have all of that information that Rick just shared as well. So thanks again. Until next week, bye for now. Mm-hmm.